just to read it word for word, is the pandemic has left an enduring mark on the consumer landscape. Years of change have happened within weeks. Offline spending has shifted online. Products rarely bought online are now e-commerce staples. And immediacy, convenience and speed are the top consumer demands. And to use everyone's favourite phrase, this is the new normal. Um, Oh God, I hate that. (laughs) Welcome to No Bollocks Marketing the podcast by your favourite e-commerce agency, Be Found, Be Chosen. I'm your host, Guy Kingsley-Smith, and each week I invite different members of the team onto the podcast to set the record straight. We promise brutal honesty, occasional grumpiness, and bang average banter as we pick through what's going on in the worlds of digital marketing and e-commerce. Let's get into this week's episode. Chaps, what we're going to do, we're finally pulling our finger out and we are looking through the Shopify Plus, the future of e-commerce report 2021. Um, we're sitting and recording on the 26th of February. In reality, they brought this out at the start of the year. But there's some really interesting points in here, isn't there? And I think we're going to go through it week by week and, and pick through the trends that they've outlined in this report. And just to give everyone the summary, really, I mean, if you don't know about the lockdown, I mean, where the fuck have you been, quite frankly? But the, the very first page of this just to read it word for word, is the pandemic has left an enduring mark on the consumer landscape. Years of change have happened within weeks. Offline spending has shifted online. Products rarely bought online are now e-commerce staples. And immediacy, convenience and speed are the top consumer demands. And to use everyone's favourite phrase, this is the new normal. Um, oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe, we'll come to you first. I mean, just at a top level, yeah. what do you think's going on here? What's um, What did you think of the report? What do brands need to care about as a result? Um, yeah, I thought it was like really insightful getting that data from like globe, uh, like you know, global reports and things like that. Um, there's a lot of insights to take from it. Definitely conversations to be had with like my clients and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's stuff. It's it's there's things in there that. Uh, I've thought, but I've just not been able to get across to the client um, yeah. and not be able to back it up. No, and you just have like a bit of a hunch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to, that uh, <laughs> a lot of this, a lot of those things are actually in there, and it's not just me making things up. Um, but yeah, I've, I, obviously, it's like so. There's so much to it, isn't there? Um, Loads. Different um, aspects of e-commerce stuff like that we're going to go through like yeah. one each week. But, so, uh, so, so trend one: e-commerce boom fuels record online competition. And for me, the standout yeah. quote was about, it's the research from McKinsey. So as you say, proper yeah. full-on firm. It's not like just us three talking bollocks as we do normally. <laughs> yeah. um, 10 years growth has occurred within three months. Based, It's based yeah. on UK, US e-commerce penetration. Jeff, talk to us about what's going on there. Um, everyone knows like people are starting to buy more stuff online. Yeah. But it's that, it's that thing of being forced into it. Um, my mum, where she, you know, she's an ardent in-store shopper for a grocery shopping on the weekends, couldn't get in the shops or, you know, didn't want to get in the shops. Supermarkets are awful at the minute. Mm. Moved to move to purchase online. So the world has seen more, more online spend than ever. Mm-hmm. And the, the point about, you know, going back to the new normal, there is no new normal. People will continue to buy online. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I've taken away from the whole thing is, the customer experience is imperative. 
So okay. when you've got a choice of dozens of different retailers, you know, there's price considerations, yeah, for sure. But can you make the experience as good as it possibly can be? And, you know, personally, a lot of it boils down to just convenience. I think Amazon is always going to trump everybody just because you can go on there and you can click and you, you, have, you, know, you know there's that consistency there where it's a little brown box will show up on your door within, you know, a day or two. And it's, it's pretty hard to beat. If you're the fastest product from order to delivery, that's one of the best experiences you can get, surely? That's that's the you know when we break apart customer experience and market has a guilty of this when you know you can overanalyze a, a headline or call to action or something to the nth degree, the customer yeah. experience is sometimes I just want to buy something and then get it as soon as soon as is humanly possible, and for there to be no interruptions or no obstacles within that, mm. and to be fair to Amazon, they do a fantastic job of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we'll we'll get into customer experience and how you do a. A better one because that's you know god there's how many things is that to speak about there but um i thought this was quite interesting because obviously we're involved in e-commerce all the time but the the stat was that e-commerce reached an all-time high of 16.4 percent of total global retail sales now does that not strike it was quite low in terms of what's going on i thought hang on how was it only 16 percent I thought so, but you know, we're digital marketers. We just we buy things online. <laughs> that's what we do. That's uh, that's the world we live in. But you know, there's a there's a still a big offline world out there, obviously. Yeah, we're we're, yeah. we're guilty in the West of um, not being empathetic for the rest of the world, aren't we? And uh, you know, what happens outside of our bubble, we don't particularly care about. But I, I feel like yeah. I make most of my purchases online these days. Yeah. You two must feel well, the same. Yeah, well, uh, you know, buying a yeah. car online. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, buying cars online. The, the majority of what you your retail spending will be spent on is like the essentials, like day-to-day things anyway. Mm. So with essential stores still being open in the UK and I assume around the world, like you still, I think the bulk of what you're spending will be spent on like groceries and things like that. Yeah. Um, like how often do you buy a pair of trainers? Like a few times a year. You don't buy one every month, do you? Yeah. So, I mean, that would probably account for a vast majority of people's expenditure. So, yeah, um, I think that would probably explain away why it's it's only sixteen point four percent online. Mm. Um, even though there's obviously a big shift towards sort of home deliveries and things like that. I think mm-hmm. you look at your your standard person's outgoings. Um, what are they spending it on? Are they spending it on you know fashion, apparel, um, jewelry, accessories, things like that, or are they mm. spending it on? groceries and, and <laughs> those types of like day-to-day stuff so uh yeah i think maybe that might explain that one they've spent it on all kinds of things especially when the lockdown started i mean yeah the, 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 you think of like your home gym kind of sector that exploded i think was there not a stat around the nintendo switch because obviously a lot of people went on furlough a lot of people had a mortgage holiday, yeah. so they had suddenly had a lot more disposable income than they would have had yeah. normally, and they weren't allowed to go outside. <laughs> so they needed to do something inside. Like everyone started doing up the houses as well. It was the yeah. specific game Animal Crossing, which is like virtually doing up your house. Um, fantastic time waster. And I say I can't live my real life out there, but just I'll, I'll play a Nintendo game and um, sink my hours into that. 
But when you're talking about, um, you know, the growth, I think where that's probably come from is mm. the, it's the things that people weren't previously buying online. They are now forced to buy online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's now a convenience to buy your groceries online. Um, you know, you think about buying the kids like crafting stuff to do at home where that money wasn't previously being spent online and now it is. Mm-hmm. All of the, you know, the restaurant kits that you get at home, that money was going to offline um, business and is now being transacted online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's the, the exciting bit about it, I think, is yeah. that you know, if we're at eighteen percent, there's still another eighty-two percent have. That's what I was going to say. How does this <laughs> yeah. extend out into the future from now? Then what? 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 What habits stick? Uh, what do people go back to the shops for? What? What do you foresee? I don't know what the natural, um, you know, the natural endpoint will be. Will it be fifty-fifty? Mm-hmm. I think it'll have to be some sort of, well, we, you know, we've long talked about the death of the high street and things like that, but the, the retail experience itself is going to have to be so much better. Like I, if I'm going to go out to the shops and get dressed and look presentable and have a shower for the sake of going to buy something, there's got to be something else around it. Another attraction. Um, the, yeah, one of the... It depends on demographics as well, doesn't it? Like, you're all the people are going to want to still have that face-to-face contact um, getting out and, and, and going into town centres and things like that, whereas you know, younger people will be, it's, they've grew up sort of buying things online, like it's just normal for them. Uh, so I think there'll be a bit of a, there'll be a bit of a divide between like the, a generation, between like the generations, I think. Um, and then again, it's, it's the, like you say, it's the services that you can get online, that you, uh, sorry, in store that you can't get online. Mm. Um, obviously, you can't really try something on um, online. There's virtual reality and augmented reality and things like that to try and get that, but it's not quite the same, is it? Um, so there's, there's um, you, you know, furniture shopping and things like that. You, you, you want to sit on the sofa before you buy it. You want to lie on a mattress before you buy it. Um, mm. There's always going to be that place for those types of things. Um, Jewellery, you're going to want to feel it. You're going to want to try it on, all that stuff. Yeah, people are still buying online at the minute, but I think it will stick um, in store. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to want to test drive a car before you drive it, Jeff? Um, you no, so it? I'd, I'd, I'd play the <laughs> other side of that. So I'd say, you know, the you're going to see like the, the big brands survive on the high street. We're already seeing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. High streets are so copycat in nature. It's all of the big guys that can afford to be there. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they will. They will give you the hands-on experience. All right, you know, come and lie on our mattress. Um, yeah, and, you know, it might be the online brands even like Eve and Emma and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, who can afford to offer that experience. But then you'll still find that people will will go there and lie on the mattress, and then not make the purchase at that point and go home and yeah. continue to do their research and, you know, yeah. where can I buy a cheaper Emma mattress or whatever it is, um, online. So mm. you've got the the experiential bits being offline. Mm-hmm. But then I think customers will still probably prefer to to do their online, online research and yeah. have a bit of a dig around and snoop around and shop on price. Um, and it's it's the the job of the offline bit is to try and make the experience so good that the customer has yeah. to buy there and then. Mm-hmm. Like you've you've almost got to guilt them into it, <laughs> or have it's a hell of an offer, element, isn't there? Mm. It's still a, a feeling of guilt where you know you, you go into. A, Who's a good example? Someone like an HMV, where you know it's a dying brand. But HMV's gone already, isn't it? Actually, 
<laughs> you'd go in HMV and it's die in throws and you'd look at the stuff and you know, even if it's like a, a speaker or an MP3 player or something like that, you're not going to buy it there. You're going you're gonna to Google it in the shop and have a look and say, oh, well, actually, I can get this cheaper on Amazon. So I'll just yeah. do that. Yeah. Of course you are. No, it's it's fascinating. It's it's with everything happening and you know the increased competition of online as well. I thought was a really interesting part of this report. So, if we read it, it, it reads ad costs spike due to record online competition. And this is part of the the situation as well. Given that it's so easy for uh, Tom, Dick, or Harry on the street to go and start a little online business and start transacting and sending stuff through the post. What we've seen is that um, ad costs are going up. Um, and, and Joe, I'll come to you for this. What have you seen over the last 12 months in terms of um, Google ads auctions and, and things like that? Yeah. Um, initially, there was a bit of a drop, I found, where people just panicked a little bit, uh, cut their ad spend, stop, you know, reduce all the budgets, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think what happened was th- those that just held their, held their nerve and actually didn't decrease the budgets or increase them a little bit mm-hmm. saw great success and then off the back of that everyone else thought oh well, we're missing out here everyone's actually doing quite well off it they're not seeing uh, you know sales tumble and things like that so mm. yeah there was a bit of an initial decline i'd say in competition to begin with and then it just skyrocketed throughout like you say um people it, it's so easy to set up an online store set up a google ads account uh especially with like smart campaigns and things nowadays um doesn't take too long at all too much effort uh, I used to have a client before who actually uh, he sold uh, screens like Perspex screens and things like that for offices once um, offices and, and shops and things like that started to reopen uh, and he literally, he literally he had a nine to five job uh, and he just bought a load of screens uh, set up a Shopify website and, and then contacted the, com- the company to say oh, I want to run some Google ads uh, so he, set up, he set up a new business and he was like turning over like tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, per month at, at the peak um yeah it was just so easy to, to to jump on it um and then there was probably that was just one experience for me that there's probably you know hundreds of thousands of the people doing that as well what time uh, to be selling per pex per spec screens i know well, i think you just saw the gap in the demand uh uh in, in in the market for it and set it up i don't think he was doing it beforehand um but yeah over, over time you did see start to see that increased competition hmm. uh, especially as maybe you say your big high street brands weren't necessarily hmm. having much of an online presence hmm. and they probably felt the hit a bit more uh hit, felt the hit the most and maybe shifted their focus towards online as well um so yeah that certainly had an effect but yeah, yeah. i would say just yeah it definitely dropped off to begin with hmm. And then, and then you saw the big spike after about, say, April, May time. Yeah. And how does it play out in the future? A, a cost per click's going to keep climbing, do you think? And a brand's going to have to start being a little bit more careful with their ad spend? Yeah, definitely. Like, there's, you can't just keep throwing budget at it all the time. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. You, you still need to be savvy with your ad spend. You need to be optimising and making sure everything's running as efficiently as possible and getting the most out of it. Yeah. And you need, obviously, you need to know your margins, your on targets, um, mm-hmm. overheads, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just ensuring that you're getting a good return from it. So you'll always have the right, if you've got the right strategy, you'll always have the right sort of niches to be able to exploit to get the best returns. 
You'd got any words of advice on looking after your ad spend, Jeff? Things like cost per acquisition or, or cost per click? Not really advice, but what I, what I really want to see come out of the back of this is um, that the little guy, you know, it's his chance to compete and that he's able yeah. to compete. Mm. So, you know, if we've got a guy selling Perspex screens online and he's, he's found his niche and he can take advantage of, um, you know, his time to shine and sell this stuff online. I hope it's not a case where, you know, costs just like rise and rise and spike and continue to snowball out of control, um, especially where it's driven by the big guys. So you get a screw fix just comes along and says, oh, we can throw a billion pounds a mark and spend at it. Like, see you later, mm-hmm. little guys. So I, I really hope that, um, you know, the, the growth of online and e-commerce at the moment that we're seeing is the chance for the little guy to come in and make his USP shine and say, you know, we can't fight amongst the, the high street stores, which at the moment, you know, that guy probably can't secure a space on Northumberland Street, but on Google, you know, it's a fair game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that for me, that's a strategic thing. That, that's, that sort of stuff comes way before you think about your marketing method, whether that be Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, billboards, TV, whatever it might be. If you are in a niche like Perspex screens, you know, can you solve an additional problem that your customers might have? Do your Perspex screens need to have a little gap in the middle for you to do cash transactions through? Do they need a little holder for hand sanitizer on the side? Um, can, do you want to personalize them with graphics and logos? You know, you need to go deeper with the customers and, and that sort of consideration becomes way before. So as our message often is on this podcast, you've got to really, really understand your customers. What do they want? What problems do they have? And tailor your offering around that. And after that, if Google ads is a great way to reach them, hey, we're in. <laughs> and then they should talk to us at that point. But um, it's it's the strategic bit for me. Um Something I wanted to ask you about as well, in this report, they talk a lot about the increase in cross-border um, transactions and, and international competition as well. Um, Jeff, do you want to touch on that one first? What, what's going on? What do we need to be wary of, especially in the UK as well? We've got Brexit to deal with as well, and that, that's kind of on, on top of everything that's going on. Suddenly, some of our retailers have got import problems as well. Yeah, I mean, I know there's, there's the obvious Brexit kind of challenge looming over everyone, uh, tax tax regulations and stuff, which I still have got no idea um, how they work. But um, again, it's like it's it's the opportunity for the small guy, which you know, Shopify plays in that really hev- heavily. But um, it's a fantastic place to be and a f- fantastic time for those guys. Yeah. So if you're a big, um, you know, big big international business who might have um, really constrained supply chains or be really slow to move. Um, slow to put in, you know, the, the ability to advance new territories. The little guy in theory who's selling his Perspex screens, he should be able to just tick the box in Shopify and say, let's go international and I don't have to sell these screens in Borough and Newcastle anymore. I can sell them anywhere in the world. And that's what the growth of e-commerce um, that we've seen in the last year is mm-hmm. all about for me. It's, you've got a, you might have a really, really small business, but, you know, the, the kind of the premise of the internet has always been there. You I can, can sell start business. Anyone. I can sell to anyone online, yeah. but re- the reality of it for the past kind of, you know, for the past twenty years, maybe this has been that. Unless you're an Amazon size, or you've you've got that fulfillment behind you, 
that it's actually um, incredibly difficult. Mm. You know, it's a reality now. You can set up a business, um, set up an online store for like, or shop for like 29 quid, 29 quid a month. And away you go in theory, your products couldn't get in front of people in America, Canada, Japan, wherever you want. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, well, it seems a lot of people are taking that on board and Shopify data reveals that translation apps have spiked 3,300% during the pandemic. So, hey, Mr. Perspex Screen might well be selling to Lithuania and Poland <laughs> and wherever else he wants, because if you've got customers there in that market, will be craving your product and your offering. No reason why you can't these days. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a little note on there as well that says like the dropshipping and currency conversion apps have also seen like, a significant increase. So it's just so easy to like shift everything like dynamically on the website to that person and make it feel a bit more mm. um, sort of uh, like personalized and targeted for them, I guess. Um, Interesting. So how should, so yeah. what's the takeaway? Should our clients be thinking a little bit more global then, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've had one that's had a bit of a sticking point with since uh, Brexit, um, which was you know, only going to bring positives. There were no negatives to it, but mm-hmm. let's not get too political. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've seen like thousands and thousands of uh, stock just returned back to them because the people on the other end aren't willing to pay the extra mm. um, sort of tariffs and duty and all that on top. Uh, so it is a bit of a sticking point, especially if you already were trading. Um, mm-hmm you know, overseas uh, within within the EU. So it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I can only speak from experience, really, dealing with mm-hmm. my clients where they've had difficulties. Um, but, yeah, as far as where any, people who are trading in, like, the US and things like that, there's no extra restrictions being uh, added on. So yeah. it's just sort of business as usual um, for those types of territories. Um, and I guess you guys coming into it have done the research and things like that. It's just something that they can then account for. Whereas if you're used to trading with the EU uh, without any friction whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit of a bit of a stumbling block. I know it's a theme we're going to come back to time and time again in 2021, but there's this uh, tagline of like, it's never been easier to start an online store and potentially reach the world. Um, yeah. Just because it's easy to kind of take that first step, steps two to 10 to 100, are actually not that not that straightforward, um, but if you can get past the the limitations and the challenges of Brexit, mm, um, yeah. it literally is a case of the world is your oyster. It's never been easier to start an online business, but because of that, it's never been harder to grow one. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we'll leave that one there. I mean, the other bit is about customer experience for this first section of the report, and yeah. That, what a challenge that is just within itself. But I'll ask you this. The, the report talks a lot about omni-channel. Um, but in my view, and I might be playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but I think, you know, if if you own a store and you maybe a one-man band or you've got a couple of members of staff, I'd rather see you absolutely nail one channel versus spread yourself too thinly. Um, and, and do a lot of channels kind of 50% as well as you could. Um, so I think this omni-channel message needs to be taken with a pinch of, pinch of salt, just like, yeah, fair enough, you, you're going to stand in better stead if you can 
spread yourself across all the channels and your brand's equally as consistent across them all and you're saying the same things and you're showing up in different areas and there's more touch points with your customers. All these different reasons why Omnichannel is wonderful. However, it's got to be matched with your resource. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge we see time and time again, isn't it? You see, you know, the guy with the Perspex screens, he sets up a business, he thinks, well, hey, we're making some money here. So he starts di- dipping into Facebook ads and trying to reach people that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still still a one-man band and he's just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. You know, his ads start performing not so great because he hasn't got the time and the creative to put towards them. Yeah. So he says, well, we'll give YouTube ads a, b- a bash and you know, starts creating videos of his screens and he doesn't quite commit fully to either of the, either of the channels he's using. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if, if he really nailed his, his um, the first channel he was looking at and the one that's been successful for him, yeah. and then, you know, slowly branched out perhaps, it's it's quite often to see, quite often we see, um, you know, MDs and sole traders where they just take it all on and then, as you said, they spread themselves far too thin. They've got some horrible Facebook posts because, ah, <laughs> oh, Christ, I need to post another thing on Facebook slow down pay a bit more attention to each of your channels yeah definitely like that was his plan uh came in set up a website right i want to get google ads it's the easiest and quickest way to to reach our customers our new customers um i don't think there's much uh longevity in his business probably uh obviously it's a very of the moment type business um yeah. and he's, he's picked he's like you know filled that gap in the market and Google Ads was the best thing for him. If he'd have, like Jeff said, if he'd have tried to do, plow a lot of time into trying to boost his organic or mm. uh, other channels. Do you mean people aren't interested in Perspex screens on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Perspex just screen challenge. Just because there's, <laughs> there's an audience there doesn't mean it's yours. Yeah, yeah oh, that, um, that's, a, that's a great line. Absolutely. You know, know, know your audience. Know know where they are. Know what the know what they're looking for. Know how to reach them. And he did it, and you know, he saw the benefits for it. Yeah. And the other the other way, if you think of it from the reverse, if you do spread yourself out too thin, you risk not giving yourself enough time or the effort to make one of these channels actually work. So yeah. Google might be great for you, but it might take you a few goes at actually getting the traction that you need on that particular um, on that particular marketer method. So don't spread yourselves too thinly, is, is what I would say. 100%. Yeah. Right. We'll leave that one there, boys. That was good. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that, be sure to subscribe and we'll fill your ears with a new episode every Friday. And if you can't wait till then, be sure to head over to befoundbechosen.co.uk forward slash content to see what we're up to. Until next week, see ya.